Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Of course, we're going to talk some USC football and signing day just 48 hours away. All the crazy stuff that will happen on February 3rd on Wednesday. National Letter of Intent Day. It's like Christmas and New Year's and 4th of July and everything all rolled up into one. So crazy day. We're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde about signing day, USC's recruiting class and all of that. If you have any questions for us, you can drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's our email address. Or if you can give us a call, 641-715-3900, extension 816-646. Or go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page and leave a voicemail right from your computer or mobile device, however you want to do that. Uh, go to itunes.com as well, slash itunes.com slash peristylepodcast. That's our Peristyle podcast page right on iTunes. Go right there. You can subscribe. You can leave us feedback. You can leave us a five-star rating. All of that stuff is great. Speaking of great, we have the coach, Coach Harvey Hyde. What is up, Coach? How you doing? Well, Ryan, it's payday this week. You've spent months evaluating players and spending money on the road and doing all the things you have to do to Get the type of players that help you win national championships and Pac-12 championships or whatever your conference you're in and all the things that go along with it. So uh, I think it's, uh, as you mentioned, 48 hours away from payday. And uh, we'll see just how much money or what pays off for USC. (laughs) This is not an SEC podcast, Coach. You're, You're talking about payday and signing day. It's a little different down there. Well, whatever you want to call it, it's where... The uh, rich get richer or the rich get poorer. Well, I want to thank uh, our... Oh. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, Coach. I just want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com, or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287. No tickets needed for signing day. You can get all the stuff you need on uscfootball.com. But if you want tickets for a sporting event, anything around here in Southern California or across the country, go to sctickets.com, and they will help you out. And, Coach, you know, we have a few questions, um, but I wanted to kind of give people... There's some people out there who don't follow recruiting like all the time and give them a little bit of a primer of what's going on. Um, you know, signing day is Wednesday, like I said, first day where prospects can sign with their prospective schools. And for USC, normally you can sign 25 players. And you know, the sanctions were going on for a while, for three years. So USC can only sign 15. They fudge the numbers a little bit, trying to get, you know, get an extra guy in here or there. It's not easy to do. But then last year, Coach, they brought in the number one recruiting class, and it was big, and they had five extra guys. They blue-shirted five guys, which means they got guys that could come in and play last year. All of them were eligible to play. Um, well, except Daniel Antonio baby, he transferred, but he came in as a blue shirt. But those all, all those players were on the roster in 2015, yet their scholarship counts in 2016. So you're kind of borrowing ahead. And it wasn't very common. You see it down in the SEC sometimes. Steve Sarkeesian ended up doing it, really trying to recover from the sanctions. So they brought in a bigger class last year, but they borrowed five rides from 2016, from this year. So USC's class can only be 20. So it's already going to be a little bit smaller, uh, Coach. And then right now, there's six guys that are enrolled. 
and seven guys that are verbal. So in the last 48 hours or less than that now, USC is going to bring in at most seven guys, but probably about seven guys in this last final stretch. It's a little bit, it feels different, coach, and maybe I'll get your thoughts on it. Usually there's like these guys kind of lined up on signing day, especially local guys. Uh, really, Jack Jones is the only local prospect that's not committed yet that has a good chance. Uh, a lot of these dudes are out of state. Um, and USC's recruited out of state pretty heavily for, for years. But to close on signing day out of state, I mean, it's going to be, it could be a pretty wild ride, I guess you could say, Coach, over these next couple of days. Well, it is. And, uh, Ryan, uh, first of all, when you use uh, blue shirts, you got to make sure that these are quality players that they used a year ago, too. You know, you just don't want to bring in guys because they're guys that want to go to USC. So they're guys that are going to play someday. They're guys that maybe are the type of players that are willing to redshirt if they're not going to contribute right away, build up your numbers again so you have great players on your roster. So we'll have to see how those blue shirts actually work out. And then these uh, players that came in here at mid-year, they've got an opportunity now to be a part of spring practice and get a jump on their learning process and learning a new system at the same time. If it's not the same system that uh, Coach Helton will run on offense and the different defensive system that that Clay Pennegrass will bring in. So they'll be there at the beginning when they teach these systems. So uh, you hope always that you don't make a mistake. Now, there are always mistakes that are made that players do not develop or they're not the players you thought they would be or the players matured earlier uh, at a younger date in high school and never did uh, mature anymore after that. So you've got to be real careful on who you bring in. Now, of course, uh, the final push here, I call it crunch week, is when you go out and you find out if you're going to get get a big payday. You get excited, you get nervous about it because he can either make your recruiting year or break your recruiting year with the emotion of how you finish. Can you finish? Now, this is the new staff. Now, they've been at USC before, but they got a late start. Who is the closer on this staff? There's got to always be a closer. Now, on my staffs, I wanted to be the closer. I would always say, bring him to me, tell me about the kid, I know a lot about it, but you're supposed to know a lot more about this kid than I do. I see him all on film, and let me do the job of closing him in the house or wherever that might be. I'm the closer. Now, is Clay Helton the closer? Is T. Martin the closer? Who is the person that dots the I? Who is the person that makes the difference in the decision of this player, and who is the person that this closer should be talking to to make sure it happens? Because uh, when you look at the big schools, you look at the opportunities out there for all of these student-athletes, it isn't like it's something that they haven't followed or know about. It's who they like, who they want to play for, who surrounds them, how successful can they be. Academics are important, too, and a lot of athletes do select universities because of the athletics and the academic standards. But a lot of them selected because of the coach and the athletic part of it, and the system that you run. And then some, of course, say, I don't care about what they run. I'm going to go there because I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, or whatever. And you have to find that out, and that's the way you close that kid. So now USC's in this position. I'm very anxious to see how they close. Uh, you mentioned it. A lot of local kids, no, not on their uh, – 
uh, roster as far as closing. Jones, as far as, far as Long Beach Poly, uh, is the only one that I know of. You've got the two, the tight end and the defensive lineman for Concord Dale, De La Salle. I'll be very surprised, and I'll be happy for USC if they can get those two. But, but when Tuiapa Sopa went to UCLA, I really do cut, think that cut down their chances. And now Alabama's in on it. Michigan's in on it. I think that, you know, I just want to see what's going to happen. Because, Ryan, I'm going to be completely honest with you. And and you, I always am on your show. But who have they committed since they became a new staff? Who has Clay helped? Now, you tell me if I missed one. Who has committed in the last six or seven weeks to USC? Other universities are having commits. All I know is there's been a couple that have decommitted. So I'm real anxious to see just how this staff closes. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Coach. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, not a whole lot of activity since, uh, you know, Clay Helton and the new staff kind of took over. There was uh, Velas Jones. Um, he decommitted and recommitted, so I guess you could count him, you know, him as a commitment um, if you want to. I know it's a little bit of a reach there. But, yeah, it's, it, it is interesting uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of activity and the whole out of state aspect of it. Um, I, I think the focus on the defensive line and really with a lot of the prospects that are left on the board and actually Gerard Martinez put up a great piece on uscfootball.com, the signing day forecast and everybody always loves it. So check it out. You have to be a member of uscfootball.com, but you can do a seven day free trial and check it out. Uh, it's, it's great. So he goes through all the prospects that are still on the board or the, you know, the major ones. And gives you a percentage of what who what he thinks from talking to all his sources. They're the likelihood of signing uh, with USC is, but there's a lot of defensive linemen, coach, but a lot of out of state guys. And to me, when you're trying to finish up, and there's this many, you know, seven spots left of a 20 person class. I mean, it's a significant chunk of what's left. Um, what's going to happen? as far as with these out-of-state guys? Because usually you have local guys that you can kind of rely on. You don't always know for sure. You remember a couple of years ago with um, Juju Smith and Adoree Jackson and Damian Mama, like all local guys, they all end up picking USC. And it was huge. I mean, if Steve Sarkeesian doesn't finish that strong like he did, I, I mean, USC loses more games than they have. Uh, I don't think there's any question about it. It's a, I think there's a little risk here coming on coach. It could be, you know, it could, to me, it could be a huge finish if you get some of these big out of state defensive linemen, per se, to commit. Um, but there's also a chance that you, you miss on a bunch of them too. And I don't know. I mean, it's, to me, it's just, I know it's been a little crazy with the, the, you know, help taking over and hiring the staff and all that kind of stuff. I, to, this is going to be the one of the more interesting signing days that I can remember just because. Usually we have a pretty good idea of how it's going to finish. And this time, Coach, I just I just don't know. Ryan, you know, I feel the same way. It's because I'm not aware. I don't know that much uh, about a lot of these players from out of state. I know that Leonard Williams came from Florida and Quentin Powell came from Florida. And a lot of great players have come out of Florida and other states, Cushing. And uh, I don't know how close these coaches are are associated with those high school coaches and how close these players are with Leonard Williams and these other players as far as the influence they may have on those high school players. So it's going to be one of those days where you're going to sit back and and, uh, when USC announces it or if you watch it on television or you're on your internet, follow USC 
you know, uscfootball.com. I'm sure you're going to put up every signee as it happens and it comes through. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. And it could be a complete successful day. It could be an ordinary day or it could be a complete, man, what are we going to do? I just hope that they don't drop down in quality just to fill the class. That's the worst thing you can do is panic and all of a sudden take players that you normally wouldn't take because you can't do that and play the schedule that USC has now and compete at the level that USC has to compete with. You've got to feel that you have enough returners returning with the extra players you've got now to be able to compete next year. Just don't panic because you don't get all the players you're supposed to get. And you might have to make some adjustments as far as that position and move some people to offense or move some people to defense or do the things that are necessary to play. But don't panic and waste those scholarships when you don't get them back. Now, Coach, I agree with you. And that's what that's the other interesting aspect of this is because there's a lot of big names, there's, you know, four-star guys, out-of-state guys, that you normally don't have a, you know, a huge percentage on. Even back, you know, in the Pete Carroll days, he would always like leave some room at the end for some flyers, some big time, you know, out of state dudes, uh, like a Rashawn Gary, the number one player in the country, defensive lineman, um, you know, b- back in New Jersey. I, I, we don't, because we haven't seen, you know, Clay Helton and stuff in this staff work. We don't know if they have some guys on the back burner that are local that if they miss on, X, Y, and Z, they go to him or, you know, they actually leave some spots open. And I, I was, I'm a pretty big advocate for trying to bring in as many guys as possible right now, because you're going to lose people along the way. And, you know, bringing in 20 to get as close to 85 is, is the right way to go. If not, um, I, you know, I can be, you know, you can argue that, well, if you only sign 18 and I think the staff still wants to sign 20, but if they only sign 18 and you, instead of bringing in, some guys, like you said, that really aren't to that level, you could bring in a couple guys early for next year, and they haven't been able to do that for quite a while with the sanctions, the early enrollee thing, and have them count towards the previous class. Because of the sanctions, you never could borrow or you never could you you know leave any scholarships over. You had to always sign the maximum. So next year, maybe that's a, an option, and, and you get a couple extra for the class of 2017 um, instead of, like you said, taking a chance on a guy that probably isn't at the, the caliber for USC. I agree 100%. I, I did that wherever I was. I wasn't going to waste a player that I couldn't win with. Uh, you got to have a player that you can win with. I don't need uh, walk-on caliber of players. But so preferred walk-on is a good enough player for, to get you through the scout teams and do the different things that are necessary. And if they turn out to be a great player, well, you scholarship him, like Clay Matthews and some of these. Give them incentives to come and be a part of the team, and if you are that great player, hey, we'll give you a scholarship. But don't just take somebody to take somebody to fill your numbers up. Really, you become mediocre by doing that. You've got to keep your standards at the standards of Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan standards now. And now with the other teams in the Pac-12 making strong moves, like Washington, they're a new player now. So the, and UCLA's on the verge of having one of the top recruiting classes in the nation if they close strong now. So you've got to keep yourself in that position because the Pac-12 isn't like it used to be. 
everyone can beat everybody. So you've got to remember to keep your recruits at the same level. But at USC, they got to be better than that. So everyone expects a number one through five class at USC every single year. So all there is is a different wave breaking on the beach one year after the next after the next as far as playing for it all. Um, Coach, well, I wanted to jump into some of these uh, questions that we have. Uh, but right before we do that, I wanted to, you know, maybe because you've gone through this. Uh, it, you know, signing days changed a lot, uh, Internet and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of it's still the same. Uh, they still use fax machines. They're still faxing in their letters of intent. You know, back they've been doing this for years and years. Um, did you have a good signing day story or some guy that you weren't sure you were going to get and then, there was some big surprise on signing day that, uh, just cause it's being in the war, you know, pe- people talk about the war rooms and Bruce Feldman wrote a really good book called meat market where he was at old miss for the whole year about, you know, in their war room talking about signing day. There's always some really interesting stuff that goes on kind of behind the scenes with players and trying to, you know, shuffle the board and all that kind of stuff. Is there any good stories from one of uh, you know, your coaching days at signing day come to mind that you can share? Well, you know, you always feel good when you're at a school like UNLV where I was when you can beat a Pac-12 school. And there was one year where we beat and we had one of the top recruiting classes in the West. We got Kirk Jones out of Long Beach Poly. He was a five-star. Now, I know a lot of people don't remember these players. Reggie Farmer out of San Diego, he was a five-star. We've got Tony Gunn uh, out of San Diego, and he was like a four-star. I mean, and we beat Pac-12. 10 schools at that time, like Arizona State, UCLA. I'll never forget the Kirk Jones situation when he was going to commit, verbally commit, after the championship game. It was Servite and Long Beach Poly, and all the coaches were there. I was on the sideline. I was lucky enough to have a sideline pass, and uh, all the coaches uh, from Texas was there, and UCLA coaches were there. and They were all in the press box. And uh, after the game, when Long Beach Poly won the game, they gave the mic. uh, Kirk was really a great player, running back. And they gave the mic to him on the field to to verbally commit to one of the universities. And all these coaches were there. And I was standing there, UNLV, and people said, I don't know what they're doing here. This is a different league. And Kirk got the mic and talked for a little bit. Very intelligent guy, had a straight-A average. And he says, uh, my decision is to go to UNLV. I think the whole world was shocked. The whole stadium was shocked. I heard, now I don't know, I wasn't in the press box. I hear one of the coaches from Texas threw a chair against the wall. Uh, the first thing that uh, I, I thought of, and everybody was saying, they cheated. They cheated, there's no way in heck they gave him a casino. Uh, or something like that. But Kurt came to UNLV, and we really rallied a great class around him. Because he, he committed early enough where we could use him as a spokesman that with the growth of our program, if Kirk Jones will go to UNLV, others can go to UNLV. And uh, it worked. It was great. And uh, I'll tell you the truth. Uh, the, the NCAA did come in and investigate Kirk Jones and his recruitment. And we passed it clean. Bill of Health, everything was perfect. I said, hey, come in and do whatever you want. Like, I don't even have enough money to pay my coaches the way I want to pay them or 
stay in the best motels when we're on the road. We stay at, you know, I'm not going to use motel names, but we stayed two or three in a room at times. So uh, they came in and they checked it all out. And they did that. That was a great story. And then I remember I lost a coach uh, early uh, because he got another job. I forget. I think he went to the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, I let him go and we were in recruiting and we were recruiting. So you can identify a position for someone else as USC did this year to take someone's spot as far as someone replacing the person that left. So I wasn't ready to hire a coach, so I thought it would be a good idea. I thought it would be a good idea to name my academic advisor as one of those positions because this would allow me to take an academic advisor into the home on a visit. And this is something other people didn't do. And I thought the parents would appreciate that I – not only wanted to talk about the academic side, but also the athletic side, and they got a combination of both. So I remember we had this big tackle we were recruiting out of Gardenia or Banning. Oh, man, he was a great player. I mean, he was about 6'5", 275, and at that time, that was big. And I remember we went into their home. They were having this over for a luau to celebrate, you know, where he was coming, the UNLV, and everything was just wonderful. So uh, I took the academic advisor over with me and another coach, and we were invited. We were all with the family, and we were eating everything. It was great. So the academic advisor took the kid and said, come on in the back room. Let's go in and talk about what we're going to do academically with you at UNLV. About an hour or two later, he comes out, and the kid has a funny look on his face, didn't say anything. We finished the party and so on, and the next morning, we were still in Southern California. The next morning, the parent calls me up and they say, Coach, we love you. We love your staff. We love everything. But we're going to have to decommit. He's not going to come. I said, what? What are you talking about? He says, well, your academic advisor took him into the room and scared him to death on the academics of what he was going to make him do and <laughs> this and that and so on that he decided to go somewhere else. I said, What? And that's a true story. By trying to be smart and me being one, one step smarter than everybody else, I lost this player. Wow. Well, that's yeah, a, so, that's, that's a true good. story. I like that. So uh, you got a good and a bad one in there. Um, oh, yeah. You got a, you got them all, baby. You got them all. <laughs> and I can tell you how I used to drive a rental car and the other schools used to pull up in limos, okay? <laughs> I could tell you early, you're not supposed to be at a certain place till 7 a.m. on National Signing Date. And I'd see these lemos lined up around the corner. I won't tell what school they were with their head coaches in there going in before I would go in and try to get in there early and demonstrate that, hey, we got a bigger program, a better program than UNLV. All this goes on. It's, it's great. But then again, when I was at UNLV, we used to pick the kids up in lemos because that was part of what went on. We could get lemos to pick up the kids from the airport. Well, they put a stop to that, but they said, other schools don't have this luxury that you do, so you have an advantage over other schools. So they cut that out, and we had to pick them up like everybody else picks them up. Oh, well, that's unfortunate, Coach. Yep. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's let's jump into the. We only have a couple questions today. This one, uh, I, actually, funny. I had a conversation with a former USC player who was kind of saying a lot of the same things as Caller was saying about, um, you know, the run the run game, and and really wanted to see that you know, more, you know, blossom a little bit more. So I'll play the question for you and then get your response. Here you go. Yes. My name is Mr. Davis. 
Dex Davis. Um, I was I'm very concerned about um, the one element that I believe uh, is missing on the USC football team. The um, the 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 one element that USC gets their name from, their moniker, Tailback U. Uh, what it appears to me is that they are so interested in um, recruiting flashy little, um, um, uh, I don't know, tailbacks um, that they're trying to recreate the Ricky Bush uh, image that they never, that they forget about the Lindell White uh, image that helped Ricky do all that, uh, um, that Ricky could do because they were worried about the power back. We don't have no power backs at USC, and I was, I was wondering, is there anything in the works for them to get a power back, like a big old Ron Dane kind of person? UCLA got social demamba, which was a big miss for us, and I was wondering, you know, it, the, talk about the offensive um, coaches that came from Western Kentucky. That looked like they're going to do a whole lot of passing, and Clay Hilton said that they – we're going to do uh, return the tailback. That sounds, even before the season starts, by looking at the coaching staff he hired, it sounds like a great big old fat lie. Um, look like they're going to pass a lot. So anyway, can you get back with me on that? Thank you. Well, you know, we all have concerns on that because obviously uh, you're exactly right on the hires. Uh, he talked, he's been speaking about getting back to be being physical and being what USC was all about and get back to that and doing that, yet his hires didn't demonstrate that. I think his offensive line coach comes from a background of Alabama, Auburn, and some of these places that I like to pound you. But, again, I want to watch that happen. And I and uh, I think in their recruitment they, they, they're bringing in uh, one tight end who's 6'6", 230, and, or 6'7", 230, and they have a tight end that redshirted that transferred from Florida. Uh, running the football means you have to be physical, and that means at all positions where you can block people. And I think you got to have a tight end that can block, and I think you have to have big running backs, and you have to be able to utilize two back sets, and both backs carry the ball, not just one back. And when you have a two-back set at USC right now, it would be Davis and Jones, and one of them, they're both the same type of back. One isn't going to really stone anybody. One of them is going to be a great pass blocker. I mean a great pass blocker. I mean one that will step up and hit you in the chest and knock the rusher on his butt or get underneath and be ready to say, come again if you want. You've got to be able to have that type of physical type of back like a Derrick Henry or these type of backs who can be very physical. And I think that you have to have that if you're going to be a power type of a football team. You saw that. When USC played Wisconsin, they had Watts run the lineup as a fullback and just pound you, just pound you with the blast and the power. And then occasionally, what did they do? They handed him the football and ran right down the middle of the field. Not big gains, but gains enough to keep your linebackers at home. And they, you still had the threat that this fullback could carry the ball and punish you and get the extra yards, five yards, six yards, whatever's necessary. You've never seen the fullback over the last five or six years or longer be a ball carrier at USC. And you never see many 
formations where the fullback is utilized as far as uh, in part of the running game off the toss or anything else to set up series for the running game. It has not been a running philosophy at USC, and I'll say that. They're, they have become soft because of it as far as trying to do it through the air all the time. So I'm anxiously waiting to see what the answer is going to be because I didn't see them recruit a fullback type of back this year. Both the fullbacks that were at SC are both going to be gone. I don't know who the big back is now at USC. Ryan, if you do, tell me. And I don't know who the big blocking tight end is at USC right now. If there is one there, Ryan, tell me. So uh, I agree with you. I want to see it. I don't want to see talk. I want to see it. And I think first time we're going to be able to see this is in the spring. Yeah, uh, as far as big blocking tight end, you know, not really. Um, you know, it, it's just, you know, Taylor McNamara is more of a pass catching guy. Um, you know, they're bringing in Kerry Angeline, who's a, you know, really tall. He's basically like a tall receiver. Now, if they get like a Devin Asiasi, you wouldn't see him till the fall. He's a big, you know, he's a bigger tight end, but re- as guys on the roster right now, no. And in, um, when you're talking about, you know, Tyler Petit's not really that kind of player either. He can block, but. Um, I would say for power backs, same sort of thing. There's no running backs committed for the class yet. Um, not really any on the projected list that could change. You could, you can, uh, try to pick someone up late in the process over these last two days. It's, it's certainly possible, but right now, no one like that coach, certainly not a fullback, not even a running back. And, you know, I, I think Akacedric Ware would be a guy that plays w- more with power. He's not a huge guy though. He doesn't, he's not built like, Lindale White, but I think he kind of has that sort of running style. So yeah, like roster wise, if that's what you're really looking for, um, not a lot of it. Now UFC's used like a, you know, a tight end. I mean, a, you know, a left tackle or a tackle that's been a backup tackle or something in the tight end spot for running situations. They could do something like that. We just don't, we don't know. We're not really sure what the whole system is going to be. And like coach said, I think spring football will tell a lot. But as far as the call, you know, saying that, you know, what kind of guys are on the roster, I don't see the guys like that on the roster right now. Now, it'll take me, Ryan, three practices, four practices to tell exactly what the philosophy of the USC is going to be. By the way, they go out there and if they go out there and, uh, you know, do the same things uh, that they've always done and they're not really becoming physical and inside drill, outside drill, full speed at everything you do, full speed stock blocking, everything else on top of it, power off tackle, run your guards through. you got to work on all this stuff live where you learn to pick up people, not walk through it all live, half-line scrimmages, full-line scrimmages, you know, the whole thing. Then then you get your timing time down and you start to believe in what you're doing, and especially I want to see the jumbo type of offenses. Down when it's – you see Stanford, you see other schools when it's third and two inches. You see what they do when they come out and they need those two inches? They get down there and they get it. Well, I want to see that type of philosophy, too, at USC. Come out with a double tight and get your guys in there, and you have to push the quarterback forward on a quarterback sneak. You push the whole line forward on a quarterback sneak, and you do what's necessary to get the big play and continue with the confidence that you need to have as far as being a ball control. We're tougher than you are attitude. You've heard me talk about the players of the past and what their thoughts were. They love collision. They like car accidents. 
Well, you know, this is the type of philosophy you have to have in order to be fiscal. You want to have a collision with somebody. Well, Coach, we got one last question, and uh, we got a lot of actually reaction on uscfootball.com to the show last week. Um, it's funny, you're, you can be a very polarizing, do you know that, Coach? You can be very polarizing. There's, there's fans that write in, like, I can't believe what he's saying, and other fans, you know, that love what you're saying. So, you're, did you know that, Coach? You know that? <laughs> that's no, out I, there? I don't, I don't know that. I just, I just, when you ask me a question, Ryan, or if the, one of our listeners asked me a question, I'm just going to tell you, how I feel. I've been there. I know the feeling. I know the feeling of looking in players' eyes. I know they're young people. They're big bodies, but they're young people's people. They need to be trained, and they believe in you, and you want them to follow you by showing them love, first of all, off the field, by showing you you care about them, their families, their parents. You care about them on everything they do, and you need to play out of them. You need to have them play, and when they like you, they'll play for you. If they don't like you, they hope you lose. So you've got to be able to be a part of their lives. Part of their lives are, are so important. They need leadership. They need someone to love them. They want to be able to come in your office and sit down and say, Coach, I got a problem. Not to get in trouble because they got a problem, but to help you get out of it. Or what should you do, Coach, if you were me? This is the type of relationship you have to have with people, including not only your staff, but faculty and also your staff. And when you have that type of relationship, then they want to win for you because you're winning for them. And that's just the way I feel. Well, Coach, uh, yeah, so I, well, it, is, it can be polarizing on the message boards for sure. Uh, people are adamant on each side of the loving or hating the Coach Harvey Hyde podcast. So I, probably that's what you want, I guess. You want people to – you're going to get a reaction. You certainly do. Um, we'll, we'll end it on a, a question from, or I guess a comment from Stephen Poway and then get your thoughts on it. He said, in Coach Harvey Hyde's discussion about Bryce Dixon at the end of the last podcast, Coach Hyde used the word kid or kids 15 times in the first four minutes. And he said, I stopped counting after that. In reference to Bryce Dixon and Coach Hyde's former college football players, according to news reports, Bryce Dixon is 19 years old, which makes him legally an adult. And I think he and the other college football players should be referred to as young adults or young men or just adults or men, not kids, young kids, etc. I say this because I believe this is more than just semantics. It's a philosophy of how to treat these young men as adults, not kids. It's holding them accountable, not letting them get away with the kinds of things that Bryce Dixon or Josh Shaw are and were accused of doing. Have, uh, how you refer to these guys affects how we perceive them and even perhaps how they act. I hope USC holds all of their student-athletes to the very highest academic, personal, and athletic standards. I thought Coach Hyde agreed with his philosophy until I heard his rant this past week. I was really disappointed by his apologetic tone for what is, at least in the case of Bryce Dixon, a lot more than just childish pranks. I am disappointed. Thanks for your podcast, Ryan. Steve in Poway. Well, great. I tell you, I have to, you know, I respect what his feelings are. But I still call kids that are 40 years old kids, okay? <laughs> so so don't get nervous on what the term is I'm using. Because when you get to be my age, a lot of people are kids still. When I see my some of my students that are doctors now, I'm saying, you know, I'm so proud of you as a kid and, and this and that. Because there's a lot of, Ryan, you're a kid to me, okay? A kid that's working hard to be the best at what he does. And what I was referring to is having a passion as far as for everyone you have, everyone isn't going to be perfect, okay? 
And then the ones that aren't perfect, I don't think you throw them under the bus either. You try to assist them or rehab them or do whatever necessary to help them become successful. You don't take them out and just forget them because, uh, you know, who do they have sometimes to help them? And if you don't like the podcast, don't listen to it. I like it, Coach. Yeah, there's uh... – we, it's funny, the, the fact, I don't, I've never seen this as much before. I mean, there's, there's people that like, you know, complain about stuff I do or, you know, and then people defend you. And we, it's, it goes back and forth, coach. There's like people, like, I can't believe what coach Hyde's saying. And other people are like, he knows more about football than you'll ever know. It's, it's so funny, um, how this impacts people. And I think a lot of it, coach, is just the, the kind of the times where there's a lot of uncertainty around the football program right now. And we see, People on the message board fighting. There's the, like we talked about this before. There's the sunshine pumpers and the doom and gloomers that sunshine pumpers. It's everything's great. Coach Helton's going to be the best coach ever. And the doom and gloomers are he's the worst coach ever, ever. And USC is going to have a losing record for the next five years. It's just kind of, you have to be on the extreme. Um, and it, it definitely we get people, you know, listening to the podcast or not listening to the podcast being on those kind of extremes. But I guess, I guess that's what you want. You want to be able to get a reaction out of people, and I think we've been able to do that here on the podcast. All I'm going to do, Ryan, is be honest, okay? I work with kids. I've gone into kids' homes. I've been there. I know how they are. I love my kids, okay? There's kids that have made mistakes, okay? But I, I still love them. There's coach, There's players I've coached that, that have done bad things, but that doesn't mean I still don't care about them. When they make a call, maybe that the, if they are in prison or incarcerated and they call me, I accept the call. Okay, that doesn't mean I never talk to him again. And uh, and I hope that they've learned and they don't do it again. But uh, to say, you know, they're they're young men and they're responsible. Hey, no one knows it better than I do. I went into service out of high school. I don't know if that guy to call went into service or did what he did. Maybe he's a Medal of Honor winner. I congratulate him if he is. But, uh, you know, it's easy to just say, yeah, they're men. They're responsible for what they do, this and that. Yes, they are. And they can really embarrass you in the university and the football program. But, you know, you're the one that recruited them. And how about the director of admission? They admitted them. And how about the student activity guy? He's got to be some part of this, isn't he? So it isn't just the football coach. And sometimes these kids don't have people to go to. And my door was always open to them because I wanted to make sure they got that extra chance. So that's just a basic thing I have to say, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to disagree with this gentleman's feelings, because that guy has his feelings, and I respect that. But I'd like to take him with me into some areas and recruit and see where some of these kids come from and see if you would feel that way after that, okay? So I sort of got upset on that, but I shouldn't. <laughs> I really shouldn't. No, I really cool. shouldn't. Coach, you're fine. But, it's, huh? It's fine, Coach. It's, it's, we get reaction out of people. I think that's what you want. And it's, uh, you're coming from a place of experience and whatever, you know, I've never coached major college football before. I, I love being able to talk to someone on a regular basis that has because you've just seen and done things that most of us out there have never done. Right. And I'll tell you, I went to a funeral this weekend of a guy that played in a Rose Bowl. And I was there, and people were crying, and they'd come to me, and they were crying. They'd say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm crying. I'd say, hey, let me hold you. You cry all you want. And they'd say, well, coach, I don't want to cry. I'd say, you cry 
Because by crying, you just show how much you love this guy and how much you miss this person and how much he was a part of your life. And after a football game, when you see kids cry, does that mean that they're weak because they cry? No, it means they care or it meant a lot to them. So, you know, to see big guys cry, I think it's a great passion. I cried. I, I always say, you know, as a football team, you, you, know, you cheer together, you pray together, you cry together, you, you do all these things together, and, and, and it means so much to you. I, I hope that gentleman had an opportunity to feel that passionate about the people that have surrounded him in his whole life. Well, Coach, great stuff. We wanted to get a, a, a podcast quicker one in uh, before signing day because it's always so crazy this week. But appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights, and we look forward to uh, – we'll talk to you on Thursday. I'm going to go on your show on Thursday night talking a little post-signing day. We'll know who these players are at that point. All right, buddy. Thank you very much. And for all of you callers that call and still want to listen, that's fine. And uh, <laughs> I'm just going to always tell you my opinion. Remember, my opinion is only an opinion. And uh, – if I got too hard on you, sir, I apologize. But uh, you can tell I have a deep passion for kids that pay the price for their university, okay? Yeah, I think Stephen Poway's got thick skin. He's cool with it. He just wanted to share his thought there. He, he writes us in all the time. So thanks, Steve. And thanks to you, Coach, and everyone else. Thank thanks, you, Steve. Keep listening then, Steve. Keep listening. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks, Coach, and thanks, everyone else, for tuning in to the Parasol Podcast. Hope you have a really good week. It's going to be crazy. Check out uscfootball.com for all the latest on signing day, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.